Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to Renewing the Center. This is a podcast where we engage the daily lectionary in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer with an eye toward seeing what one of those readings uh, has to say regarding renewal and restoration in our souls before God. And so today we are going to be reading a portion of Genesis 28. And I don't know. I don't know if it's that I'm getting old, um, if I just love the beauty of it, but Genesis is kind of right now my favorite book in the Bible. (laughs) I just think this book tells the truest story of who we are and who God is. And today we're going to be looking at the kind of shadow and the gift of who we are uh, in front of God, Um, and we're going to let Jacob tell us a story. Verse 10 in Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. He dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood behind him, beside him and said, the Lord, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called that place Bethel. The name of the city was called Luz at first. And then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, And will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would help us to see in this uh, moment of encounter uh, something not only real and true about Jacob, but something uh, in Jacob's story that would be also instructive and illuminating as we consider our own story. Have mercy on us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love it. Jacob is a tricky dude. He's a complex man. And yet God encounters him out here in what became known as Bethel and showed his faithfulness. God said, I'll be with you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your kids and I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you home and your boundary of blessing is going to stretch out to the north, south, east, and west. It's an amazing moment. But what makes it truly powerful is not just that Jacob had a vision, a dream, and saw a ladder. It's that this complicated, tricky guy a man whose tendency was to engineer and connive his way to desired outcomes, to do whatever he needed and wanted to get his own way. I mean, he, he, he outwitted his brother Esau and tricked him out of his birthright. And if you read the verses right before what I am reading today, um, Esau has just decided he's going to murder Jacob. And Jacob is told by uh, a relative that his brother Esau is going to murder him because Jacob had 
uh, swindled him. And so Jacob is on the run. So the passage today is Jacob in flight. He has burned all of his bridges. He has um, got a brother who wants to murder him. And he is now on the run in order to live versus die. That's what Jacob is doing when God encounters him. This encounter happens before Jacob wrestles with God in Genesis 32. In Genesis 32, we see that Jacob, um, whose name means swindler or trickster, is, is overcome by, overpowered by God, and God touches his hip. He, he, he wounds him. He causes him to walk differently, and he changes his name from Jacob, trickster, to Israel, one who has struggled with God and man and overcome. This is before that. Um, Jacob is still in his ego. His temperament and his personality are marked by striving. I mean, at the very end, after God shows up, he's like, well, if the Lord will give me food, if the Lord will give me this land, then I will serve him. I mean, Jacob is still in a very transactional place. He's a get things done kind of guy. He's a bottom line kind of guy, and he is paying a tremendous price for it. He is on the run and in that place of brokenness. God meets him and promises that he will be with him. God doesn't abandon Jacob, even when Jacob is fully in his personality, in the dark side of his personality. So what does Jacob do um, when God shows up? And this is a seminal moment in Jacob's life. I mean, this is a guy who um, is full of self-preservation, full of ego. And then God shows up and says, I'm going to show you the place where heaven and earth are connecting. These angels are ascending and descending. I mean, God is like really showing him something amazing. Um, Jesus will one day reference this in the gospel and say that now Jesus is like, I am the new Bethel. I am the place where heaven and earth are, are connected. Basically, Jacob is seeing something really important. He's seeing something really powerful. But he knows that his circumstances are such that he will forget this beautiful moment and revert back to his old tendencies if he's not careful. Now, if you are anything like me, I can say that I am like Jacob in this regard, that I can have a moment of clarity, some, some time where God and his mercy breaks through my ego, my sin, my self-preservation, and I see things really clearly. And then I get right back to my ego, my sin, and my self-preservation, and I forget. I leak that clarity. I think one of the things that this passage invites us to consider about ourselves is that that which is true of Jacob is also true of us, that we forget, we leak. Things that seem really clear in one moment don't seem so clear when we get a little further down the road. And I think Jacob knew this about himself. I think that he knew that he would leak clarity, that he would forget whatever it was that he was seeing right there with precision. So what does he do? He takes a rock, he pours oil on it, and he says, I'm going to remember this. Uh, as I say these words to you, I'm sitting in my office and I'm holding a rock that I've rubbed oil into, and I put this rock, it's uh, a strangely shaped rock, it's kind of like a cylinder, um, it almost looks like a finger, actually. I picked it up on the beach in Lindisfarne, which is a little island off the coast of England. Uh, Lindisfarne is actually called Holy Island. It was where St. Aidan and St. Cuthbert lived. It's a, 
um, an island known for its monastic tradition. It's actually where the Vikings landed for the first time. So all, all the stories that you know about the Vikings like coming ashore in England and you know plundering and killing, they did that at Lindisfarne the very first time. It's the first landfall of Vikings. But it was also the home of a massive um, monastic tradition that resulted in missionary efforts. Um, monks would live there. It's a tidal island, so when the when the tide is low, you can drive to it or walk to it. I've actually walked from the mainland of England across the um, the the tidal causeway when the tide was low to the island, and then when the tide goes up, the road and the pathway and everything are under under very cold <laughs> ocean water. So the monks would be cloistered away, and then when the tide would would go down, they would go out into the mainland of England, and they sent missionaries all over uh, the Western world from that place. Well, I remember in 2019 being there on Lindisfarne leading a spiritual retreat with a bunch of doctoral students at Asbury Theological Seminary. That's where I did my doctoral work, and I was there as a guest lecturer, and I was... um, Actually, I was actually having a, a pretty hard time. It, it was I look back now and see that the precursor to all the burnout, I was I was starting to feel it. So I was responsible to lead a retreat. And when you're not feeling super well and you're responsible for leading a retreat, you just build in a lot of uh, silence and solitude so that I could go and be alone while also leading a retreat. So that day I said to everyone, go and walk this island and be with God and and slow down and and try to listen. And I figured that was good medicine for me too. So I was out there alone and I remember standing on a beach just asking God about my calling and about who I was. And I looked down and I saw this rock and I picked it up and I felt like the Lord really spoke to me. Um, he said some things to me that I have had a tendency to forget in the intervening years. But I picked up this rock and I took it home and I've rubbed oil in it just like Jacob poured oil on the rock and I hold it on a pretty regular basis in order to remember. To remember what God said, to remember that though things may not be clear today, there was a time where they did seem more clear and will be clear again. When Jacob named that place Bethel, which means the house of God, when he picked up a rock and poured oil on it, what Jacob was saying is, I need to mark this moment so that when I'm prone to forget, I will be invited to remember. I believe that you and me, that we need to do a more intentional job of remembering. I I think that there needs to be more intentionality around the cultivation of memory, around the movements of God in our lives, because we forget, because we leak. And maybe right now you are all leaked out. Maybe your tank feels empty and you just think, ah, I've forgotten it all. I don't know. I don't know what God is, who God is. I want to encourage you today to set some time aside and do your very best to quiet your mind and your heart and to think back at times when things seemed more clear than they are now. Maybe moments not unlike Jacob in his ladder where God met him despite his sin, despite the mess he had made of things. God met him in that place and said things, true things to him about a future. One of the things I know is that as long as we're still living, there is a future for us. And I actually think that even when we die, there's a, a beautiful future for us. And even when we walk through the valley of death's shadow, even when we're struggling in a relationship because of our own sin, because of our own 
carelessness, there is still a future. It may not be exactly the kind of future we fantasize about, but there is a future. Where has God reminded you that there would be a future for you? How, how can you memorialize that? I actually think that lots of what we read in the Bible is, you know, there can be metaphorical application, right? Like build a memorial metaphorically. But in this case, I actually think that there should be in our lives, in our homes and in our offices and in our studies, like tangible reminders of times of clarity. I mean, I'm holding a rock right now. And as I smell it, I smell myrrh because the oil that I have, the anointing oil that I have is a scented oil to put off a fragrance. And I've rubbed it into the rock so that when I pick the rock up, which I'm holding it now, even after I put it down, the scent of that memorial is on my skin. I think we have to get our senses involved. And this is one area where I want to call you to create a collection of tangible reminders and and the, the reminders, you know, I mean, this is the trick, right? You know, the reminder, it's not magic. It, it's not, the church has got confused about this at times. We've taken relics and we started to worship or pray to the relics. What a reminder does. So like in my case, a rock on a beach in Northern England is, it's just a tangible concrete symbol of a, of a moment that I had with God. And so when specifically, for me at least, when I begin to question my purpose and my vocation, and if you know me and you followed this podcast uh, or you're part of the church where I pastor me, you know that there were times where I, since picking this rock up, I've thought seriously about walking away from ministry. When I feel really lost around the purposes of God, I will reach over to my left on the windowsill and I'll pick up and remember now, the interesting thing is there's another relic in my office that's slightly more um, culturally modern. <laughs> this rock sits on a beer mat, um, and the beer mat is, uh, it says, enjoy a cool Guinness. And when we lived in England 25 years ago, um, there was a place there that we loved to go. It was a pub called the Fox and the Hound, and it was 400-and-something-year-old pub with the thatched roof, just an amazing community living room. And I had so many, my wife and I had so many unhurried experiences with friends when we lived in England in this pub. And my last night there before we moved back to America, I asked the barkeep if I could have a, a, a reminder. <laughs> And so every, every time I walk into my office, I see this beer mat that is a reminder of companionship and friendship and unhurried provision from God. And on it sits a rock that is a reminder of purpose and calling from God. The thing is, they're tangible. We live in a world where we are in intangible spaces so much of the time. I want to encourage you to pick up and incorporate a habit of incorporating tangible reminders of the work of God, I promise you they will begin to root you in your senses and in reality. And just like Jacob, you can go back to those places and say, things may not be clear now, but they were clear when this happened, and I can feel it. I can smell it, the oil in the rock, if you will. So where are your rocks? Where, where is the oil in the rock for you? I want to encourage you to be intentional 
as you live your life before God. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you soon.